everybody. I'm Elisa McCabe, and I'm the owner at First Steps Financial, and I'd like to welcome you to Life Unedited Working Women. Each week, we meet a new boss woman, and we gain new perspectives, stories, and inspiration. If you haven't joined us before, welcome. And thank you to everybody who's coming, showing up again. And this conversation is recorded as a live webinar. So if you're here with us on Zoom, feel free to put your questions and comments in the chat and we'll answer them as we go along. And I am so excited to introduce our guest, Sally Bryant. Welcome to Life Unedited. Thank you, Elisa. I'm really happy to be here. And before I get to tell you about our awesome guest this week, I want to give a shout out to two previous guests that we had. And not only are they kick-ass in their own right, but since they were here on Life Unedited, they actually helped support each other because they knew each other from the show. Emily Lucking of Power Center Coaching had a client and thought they needed to talk to Lisa Lenkowski from Milestone Franchising. Emily told her client, go watch this podcast, go listen to this podcast, because Lisa Lenkowski is explaining what it's like to own a franchise. And her client checked out Lisa Lenkowski and booked an appointment with her. And so these women who didn't even know each other are supporting each other. And I just love our community. So keep sharing everything that happens here and check out more on Smart Boss Media. So going from those awesome women to Sally Bryant, let me tell you about her. She is the president and CEO of Bryant Group, a leadership consulting firm specializing in executive recruitment, talent development, and leadership coaching. Sally is passionate about advancing great leadership to make a positive impact on the world. Serving clients internationally, Sally and the Bryant Group team have impacted thousands of leaders around the world in some of the most prestigious universities, healthcare systems, and other organizations that make a difference. So welcome, Sally. I'm so excited to talk to you because I love that you're passionate about helping others. And that is something that you and I both share. And I feel like we both run our businesses in a way that we love what we do, but it's also about helping those people. So, you know, tell us about how you got to where you are because you weren't born this leader. Tell us how you got to your your path to entrepreneurship. Thank you, Elisa. I'm really excited to be here. I felt like I clicked with you from the first time that we met. So we have a lot in common and I always love meeting other female entrepreneurs, leaders, um, executives. So thank you again for having me today. Oh, you are welcome. My path to where I am today, I want to talk a little bit about maybe the foundation of my inspiration. And I'm going to read to my parents and especially my father. So my my father, I would say, and again, my parents, but they inspired me in several ways. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So my dad graduated from college with a degree in education and became a teacher. But after just a few years, he decided, he and my mom decided to return to the family farm and become farmers. And I don't think farming is entrepreneurial and about as risky as they come, (laughs) right? You haven't really thought through farming or or been, been with a farmer. So the first thing I learned from that is to understand control and no control. When you are a farmer, you can control when you plant, when you weed, when you harvest, mm-hmm. you control how good a shape your equipment is in. You cannot control the weather. You mm-hmm. can 
control the wheat price. You cannot control. I mean, there are so many things out of your control. And if you spend your time thinking about that, you won't be able to even function day to day. I would say the second thing about that was I learned from them is how can I? How can I do something? So my parents built, designed and built a five level home for us. Really? I think back now, I'm an adult now and I think, okay, there was no internet. There was no, how how did they do? I mean, literally hammer. That's crazy. It is a beautiful home. And so it was instilled in me. How can I, if I put my mind to something, how can I get it done? Not, I don't know how to do it. And then the third thing I would say is that my, my dad never stopped being an entrepreneur. So later in life, he decided, hey, investing in real estate and starting some businesses that invest in real estate sounds like a good idea. Even though I'm still running a farm. And so I just watched him again with that, you know, yes, calculate the risk, but have some moxie, which actually is one of our core values in Bryant Group. And this is probably where it came from. At Bryant Group, we call it running with scissors. You end up following us on LinkedIn or something, you'll see lots of hashtags running with scissors because we want to be creative and courageous. So that was my inspiration and foundation. If you were looking more for like, what did I do to get where I am? I'm happy to go there too. But you were born with a can-do spirit and it came from your family. So, you know, I always think often about, especially women entrepreneurs, I don't think it matters what we do because we could do anything. It starts with that moxie, that can-do spirit. I love running with scissors. That's funny. Damn, I think that's good. So so when you first started out, you went to University of Washington? I love University of Washington. They're a fantastic client, but I went to Washington State University. Oh, Washington State. I'm sorry. That's okay. And did you, were you thinking you would be an entrepreneur then? Did that occur to you? I mean, you had a family. Your dad was like the ultimate entrepreneur who has multiple businesses. Right. Exactly. So I actually did not think that. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do or be. One of the things that I was encouraged by my parents was take different courses, explore different things. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was I kind of fell into a, a fundraising role at Washington State University. So I wasn't thinking about being an entrepreneur. However, I did know I was interested in business because even though I majored in English, there was an interesting new dual major at Washington State called English Business. Really? So even though I was technically an English major, I took a lot of business courses and that probably also helped laid the foundation for my path later in life. Wow. How forethinking, what what foresight they had to realize that those two things go together. Absolutely. And and Elisa, I wouldn't be surprised if we have this in common, but I always just loved to work and be productive. And my my last semester of college, I didn't take any classes. I got an internship and got them to give me seven credits so that I could have enough credits to graduate. I never went to class one time my last semester. that, That does not surprise me about you whatsoever. So I do have to ask you, so you know, your dad really inspired you and and definitely, you know, forged that path when you saw entrepreneurship, you saw it as successful. What about women, women in the workplace, who or what shaped your ideas about women? 
Fantastic. So early in my career, I had two experiences that were in such stark contrast that I didn't know it at the time, but they really set me on the path to where I am today. Mm. That first position, so I had that internship at Washington State and literally two days after graduation, I graduated on Saturday and on Monday, I started my first job at WSU where they had created a position for me. And I worked for the Washington State University Foundation. And the leader of the foundation at that time was an amazing woman. And what I learned from her was she encouraged all voices, Hmm. including mine. I was barely 22. (laughs) I had three months, sort of, of experience from an internship. And really, of course, compared to everyone else on the team, didn't know much of anything. Mm -hmm. Still had some moxie, probably thought I knew more than I did. (laughs) But her, she encouraged all voices. And it made me feel valued and it made me, it made me confident and it made me really hungry to learn. I went from that job to another job, not in higher education. And my leader, unfortunately, there was a woman who had some really deep insecurities. And what that caused was it caused major dysfunction in the organization, Mm -hmm. in the organization's results, and frankly, in the happiness of the people who were working there. And what I learned was great leadership doesn't just impact the organization and the results, which when you're working for healthcare or higher ed or a nonprofit, that's impacting people's lives, maybe locally, maybe nationally, maybe globally. So yes, that's super important. It's also important in the people's lives that work on the team, because when your team members go home and they're happy and they're fulfilled and they're feeling great and confident and they want to learn, that impacts their their partner, their spouse, their children, their volunteer activities. And of course, just the opposite. I remember that job. I will never forget it. I went home with pain and agony and frustration and wondering if I was crazy. Wow. It impacts everything. And I think that was one of the things that set me on this path where I realized I want to change people's lives for positive impact. And that starts with great leadership. And going through situations like that, what you, what you experienced, it is the catapult a lot of times to make you passionate about having something happen. And it's terrible to go through it. But I think sometimes we have to experience that pain to understand we don't want anyone else to feel that. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I love that. And I think you and I also are on the same page about that. There is nothing making a positive work environment and having your people empowered like your first boss, like hearing all voices and especially a newbie. I can't believe she like, that's, that's pretty incredible. You know, you deal with CEOs a lot and deal with executives, whether you're doing leadership training or you're doing, you know, executive placement. What role do you see CEOs and and entrepreneur women playing in business today? I've seen something really interesting over the past few years. So of course we've been through a pandemic. At least I'm not sure through is the word. (laughs) Hopefully at the tail end. We're on the tail end of that. I have the privilege of working with some of the most amazing leaders 
I believe, in the U.S. and Canada, people who are running large organizations. And when the pandemic hit, we had people coming to us saying, I've never even thought about how to make a decision in this environment. How do I make decisions that not only impact in higher ed, they not only impact students and faculty and alumni, but they impact the hotel down the street. Because when we don't have events and we don't have homecoming and we don't have students on campus, business owners shut down. Every decision I make is huge. And, And people in healthcare, I mean, think about the decisions those leaders are making. So what we saw is we saw, and I don't want to generalize because everybody has different strengths, but I see particular female leaders understand that leading with empathy Mm. is a strength and it is different than leading with sympathy. Mm. Empathy, understanding that people needed a personal connection, calling every single person who worked for them and ensuring they had what they needed, both personally and professionally, that set the stage for success in the business. Mm. That set the stage because people understood they were cared for. And I saw women do that again as a group more naturally. Mm. That's something that comes naturally to a lot of women who are nurturing and caring. So I I will say I saw that as a great strength. Wow. Actually, Brene Brown has a really good, there's a clip on YouTube talking about the difference between sympathy and empathy. And it's, it's really, really good. And it's interesting that you say that because I believe that to be true also, where women are maybe just in touch more with that part of themselves to be able to allow themselves to show empathy. And it's, it's not seen as a weakness either. Well, and I think that's where the the difference is. And I, I will be, I will say right up front, I haven't seen that clip. Can't wait to go watch it. One of the things that I see as the difference is sympathy is more of a, I'm up here and you're down here mm. attitude. Empathy is, I respect you and I respect what you're going through. And I am an equal human being. I am not just your leader. I am an equal partner with you. And so let's talk about how we can link arms and get through this together. Wow. I like that. I like that as a visual linking arms. And I, I think we felt that with the pandemic with, you know, when you were with the right partner, that's what you felt like. You felt like you were linking arms and and you were going at it together. Absolutely. That's very cool. So the other thing, what can we do to foster a work environment that supports women? Is there you know, again, you work with, you know, executive placement and, and doing some leadership training for teams. Like what, what do you see to foster better environment for women? We also had the mass resignation for women and some of those women want to come back hopefully. And because I think we've lost a lot from women leaving the workforce and we have lost a whole host of wisdom that we need back, you know, what, what can we do in the work environment? What do you see that we can do in the work environment to make it good for women to come back? Interestingly, so I do see the great resignation as the great opportunity. Me too. I really do. And I am going to put that aside just for a minute because I do want to, I want to answer your question about how do we foster a great environment for women in the workplace? I'm going to put that on us, the mm-hmm. women. And I see 
three major things that I find really important for women who want to have a great work environment, whether you are the CEO or whether you are the newbie, like I was in in that very first job. Three things. One is, and you'll probably see some of the things we talked about in the beginning from my father, but one is control versus no control. Another one is the victor versus victim mentality. And the third one is to invest in yourself. And these are things that you can do at every level of an organization. So let's talk about control. Give a few examples. No, no, no. Go right ahead. I was just going to ask you. So elaborate more on these things because I am intrigued. You and I both run businesses and we want to foster a good environment for women. And I think, you know, having this discussion helps others. Absolutely. I want to empower women again to think about. So starting with control versus no control, what do I have control over? Mm. And frankly, it always comes down to, I only have control over myself. And so that second job that I talked to you about where I worked for leader who was creating a unhealthy culture and an unhealthy organization, I got fired from that job. And I thought immediately, what can I learn from this? What do I have control over and how do I move forward? Mm -hmm. I was fortunate to be recruited to a wonderful institution of higher education, a private institution in Washington. And I knew, okay, what what can I learn and control over? So I thought, well, one of the things I've learned is I want to work for a great leader. So how do I do that? And what can I control in that scenario? So in the interview process, My new supervisor was going to be a woman and she was talking about checking my references. And I said, yes, absolutely. At the same time, I would like to check yours. Oh, I like that. Because that was something I could do to see if she really was going to be a great boss. And I also knew if she said, absolutely not. But then again, what do I have control over? That's information. Oh, yeah. Used to make the best informed decision. Fortunately, she was an amazing, amazing person, amazing leader. And she said, Absolutely, you can talk to anybody who works for me now, who's ever worked for me or with me. They may not all love me, but you'll have a good picture of who I am. I love that. She offered me the job, I took it, and it was fantastic. So, control versus no control. That's my first story. Can I jump into victim versus? Yes, yes. No, I want to hear this. This is great. This is one of my this is one of my mantras. So being a victor and not a victim. Okay. We all have things happen to us that aren't fair, that we didn't ask for, that we didn't make happen. And we get to choose our attitude toward those things and using the control, no control. How do we become a victor, not a victim? So when I was eight years old, I found out that I had type one diabetes, eight years old. So I have had type one diabetes for almost 50 years. And again, back to, you know, God bless my parents. I mean, amazing parents, because what they did was I'm sure behind closed doors, there was maybe tears. (laughs) Me, this is something that we're going to learn about and we're going to handle. And so they helped me learn how at eight years old to take my own insulin shots. Wow. To understand how to eat a healthy diet. And frankly, to not think of myself differently. They never treated me different than my sisters. They expected me to do the same things. Mm -hmm. And they helped me understand that I have a choice 
to have the right attitude. And so I think that also helped the moxie because I go do whatever I needed to do. And it didn't matter if I had an insulin pump or I needed to take shots or I had to eat differently. I was going to do those things. So victim versus victor attitude. And I know there are people probably watching this who've had other people do terrible things to them. Yeah. There are really hard things to overcome. And I would just encourage that, that victor attitude again, in whatever way you can. Yeah. Because it's the positive attitude that is going to get you out of feeling that way. Look, it's true. It happens to everybody. Bad things happen to everyone. I think in the in the age of social media, we don't think that people have bad things happen. We look at Facebook and Instagram and people have these like awesome lives, but we all do. And and it is a complete choice to say, how am I going to look at this? Oh, absolutely. And you're right. And it's getting to where our children, right? We're seeing only the good. I I had a friend a few years back that posted on Facebook that she was getting divorced. And I mean, how refreshing. And not, I mean, I felt bad for her. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and somebody posted, I need to unfriend you. I'm not comfortable with it. Wow. Go down that rabbit trail. But yes, everyone has bad things. And yeah. I might talk about the third thing because this one, women, please hear me. Invest in you. Oh. Invest in yourself. Alisa, I think we might have even talked about this. I am in a wonderful, wonderful CEO mentor group here in Dallas. There are 18 people in the group. Two of us are women. Wow. I was the only woman for the first year. And we were in an inaugural group. So I was one of the first people in the group. I was, and here's what I have to say I started investing in business coaching, professional leadership education, all of these things, both in terms of time and significant amounts of money. And when I first started doing this, probably, I bet it's maybe been 10, 12 years ago, it was hard. Mm. It was painful. And you know why? Because we, I'm going to generalize, at least for me, my first thought was how much does it cost? Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost anything. It's an investment. Every penny mm-hmm. I have spent, and there are many, many, many pennies invested <laughs> And all the time, I mean, this group I'm in, I take one full day a month away from my business to do this. That was a harder choice for me than the significant monetary investment. At this point, I have seen over the past decade, the financial returns of investing in myself. But that time, you know, every woman listening to this is like, I could never do that. I don't. I know. I don't either. But you can't afford not to invest in yourself, both in sure and money. Yeah. No, I totally agree because I have a business book club that I belong to and we are reading The Long Game. And it's about thinking long-term in a short-term world. And it talks about that. It's like invest in yourself. The payoff isn't tomorrow or next week. It's a long time. Lisa Snyder is here and she's from the book club. And she said, I think our book club discussions are a very good investment. And it's true. We take one hour every week and we have these really great discussions about, we do a couple of chapters at a time. And I agree with you. It has been such a great investment of time to read the books and to have these discussions with this group. And I think if you don't do it, there's actually negative results. If we women don't invest in ourselves. 100%. That personal and professional growth will reap rewards. I mean, you'll reap rewards of not, again, not just financial returns, which I have definitely had 
at least 10x on what I've been. But what about the returns we have in terms of peace and joy and productivity and, and better relationships? I mean, it affects your health too. Oh, it absolutely affects your health. It affects mm-hmm. every part of your life. And I really encourage women, you know, put on your own oxygen mask first. Yeah. That is probably one of the best things that women need to remember is to take care of you first. And that's when you can take care of others. So do you have anything, any more information about you or your company that you want to share with our audience so that they can keep up with the work that you're doing? Absolutely. I would love to have people follow us on LinkedIn. If you want, you can find us Bryant Group, B-R-Y-A-N-T. There are many Bryant groups on LinkedIn. So we're the ones. <laughs> say advancing great leadership and have this little blue triangle logo. Nice. So you'll see that our website is Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T, G-R-P. So without the vowels.com. And there at our website, you can sign up for a newsletter. And we have a once Mm -hmm. a month newsletter with great thought leadership Mm -hmm. on leadership as well as on philanthropy, fundraising, remote work, interviewing. Oh, and on our website, we have some really fun podcasts, including how to ace your interview, how to get better at business. So love to have And I I highly recommend their newsletter. We get it every month and it is a really good read. She does have thought leaders that are doing these blogs that I read them every month and it's really good. So I have a quick last question. What are you reading, watching, listening to right now? So I am big on Audible. So I listen to my books while I'm taking my my walks. And the ones I'm listening to right now are The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. His leadership books are fantastic. Okay, good. Healing, which is, of course, about growing your business fast by, I think it's Reed Hoffman. Okay. I'm reading The Power of Words by Robert Morris. And it is a book that he wrote a long time ago. He is the pastor of Gateway Church, which has, I don't know how many millions of viewers around the world and how many tens of thousands of members, but his books are fantastic. And that is, sorry about that. Oh, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. Oh, okay. For women, if you if you remember one book, get Who Not How, because part two is how do I get this done? How do I, how do I, how do I, how about who can help you? Who can do it for you? Who can do it better than you? Oh my God. That is, oh, I love that. And it's true. We always think like, okay, what do I got to get done? What do I got to get done? Instead of saying like, who can help me get there? This is where I need to go. Okay. We're putting it on our business book club list. I prayed for the best financial firm and the best financial people ever. And guess what I got? First Steps Financial. They <laughs> I could not do. I'm not. Elisa didn't ask me to say that, but I just have to say it's a perfect example because we were really struggling in getting our financial our financials where we wanted them. And so my question to myself was who? Oh. And I met Elisa. Like I said earlier, we clicked and I knew that was yeah. it. Not how. Oh, that's awesome. Sally, thank you so much for being here this week and sharing your perspective. This was really fun. Thank you, Elisa. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you to our producer, Smart Boss Media. Be sure to check out their web page at smartboss.media and leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram. And thank you to everybody who's listening and responding to this episode. We love having you as part of our community and make sure you share this podcast with each other. We'll be back in two weeks with another live interview and our guest will be Kaneda Bullock. 
founder and CEO of Master Plan Investment Group. And I know you're going to love hearing her story and we'll see you back in two weeks. Thanks again, Sally. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Life Unedited, Working Women, a production of Smart Boss Media. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd like even more to help your business grow. If you have any questions or want to contact any of the folks on this podcast, you can just email us at info at smartboss.media. Also at smartboss.media, you'll find any resources and links that go along with this podcast. And you can find links to other podcasts and resources for entrepreneurs and learn how Smart Boss Media can help you get your business podcast launched and listened to like this one is. It's your one stop for information to help you listen, create, and thrive as an entrepreneur. Visit smartboss.media.